If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to Matthew chapter 16. We'll be looking there in just a moment. But I hope that as we enter this holiday season, that as we gather here and as we gather around our tables this week and as we travel, that we remember, as we have sung about this morning and already witnessed in this worship service, how much we have to be thankful for. You know, when you think about what kind of message do you want to deliver at Thanksgiving, uh, we think of the holiday season, but also so much of the emphasis that we're doing right now is on missions. And we do have so much to be thankful for individually and as a church, as a nation. I want to say thank you from Rolling Hills for what you do to help make our ministry possible. I would be amiss if I got up here and at this time of the year didn't say thank you for all that you individually and as a church have done to, to help make our ministry what it is in Lincoln Parish and around the United States. And even now, as we prepare to send our first group of staff on an international mission trip, believe it or not, to work in an orphanage, it reminded me of some statistics that I ran across not long ago in a book entitled Witness Essentials by Dan Meir to realize what God is doing in our world because I think sometimes we see all the negative and we don't see what God is doing. In 1900, Korea had no Protestant church. Today, there are over 7,000 churches just in the city of Seoul. At the end of the 19th century, the southern part of Africa was only 3% Christian. Today, 63% of the population is Christian, while membership in the churches in Africa is increasing at 34,000 a day. In India, 14 million of the 140 million members of the untouchable caste have become Christians. When people in the Islamic, uh, more people in the Islamic world have come to Christ in the last 25 years than in the entire history of Christian missions. In Islamic Indonesia, the percentage of Christians is now so high that the government will no longer print statistics. In China, it's estimated that there are now more self-avowed disciples of Jesus than members of the ruling party. Even conservative estimates say that China will soon have more Christians than any country in the world. Across our planet... Followers of Jesus are increasing by more than 80,000 a day, 510 new churches. And Meyer says something that is so insightful as to what is happening in our world when he says, and I quote, the irony is that except for the Middle East where Christianity was born and Europe and America where Christianity gave birth to their civilizations, Christianity is expanding everywhere else in the world today. So I ask us this morning as the church in America, what's happened? Have we lost sight of who we are and why we're here? Can we really make a difference in our culture today and in our world? There are so many in our nation today that when they see the church, all they think about is that it's a building where religious services are held or they think it's nothing more than a civic organization. 
To those outside of the church, the body of believers, there is a confusion about who we are, why we are here, and what we do. But I also come back and say, sometimes I'm afraid there is even a confusion among those that are seated in the pews of the church as to our mission. We need to realize that we are a living organism made up of people that, whose lives have been changed. We are born again in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and as such, we have the ability to change our world. We need to move beyond the belief that the challenges are too great for us and that we cannot make a difference. I love this passage out of Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 13, if you'll follow along as I read. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And he goes on. But what we need to concentrate on here is the fact that Jesus said in this passage, I will build whose church? I will build my church. This passage leaves no doubt in our mind that this church and every true church belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus, in his day, was the change agent of the society. And as his church, we today must also be that change agent in our world. So many churches today exist strictly out of tradition. So many other churches today exist solely out of self-preservation Our mission, our mission today as the body of Christ is to be God's people in our world. It means that we must be willing to share the love of Jesus Christ, not only here but around the world. That's what excites me about Temple Baptist Church of how God is leading us every day that we have life and breath to be more mission-minded, to have a world vision, to realize that while we are called to make a difference in our community as those long-range plans are being laid out by the committees and, and different staff, that we are here to impact our world for Jesus. It means that we not only share the love of Christ, but through our actions and through our giving that we care for others. You know, we really don't know all that Jesus said to those early followers in the book of Acts when we read about the birth of the church. 
the same church that we are a part of today. But we do know that he gave some specifics that we can pick up on. We know that by reading in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, that Jesus told his followers to go to Jerusalem. He told them to stay there until they had received a gift. In verse 4 of chapter 1 of Acts, we read, Gather them together, and he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for what the Father had promised, which he said, You have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We also know that in those early pages of Acts, a verse that really is the hub of the whole book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that Jesus told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. How many times have we heard that verse? But think about it for just a moment. We have the ease of travel today, but when Jesus was talking to this group of about 120, he challenged them to evangelize their world. Do you think for a moment they drew back and thought, we can't do that? That's an impossible task that he's asking us to do. Do we realize that he's telling us today to do likewise? And if he were to stand here today and challenge us and say, Temple Baptist Church, you as the body of Christ, I want you to start in New Jerusalem, but I want you to evangelize the world, would we draw back and say, how can a group our size with our limited resources, as blessed as we are, can we really change our world for Jesus Christ? Well, I want you to know that those early followers believed they could. They had witnessed the power of the resurrection. They realized that the power of God was upon them and not through their power but through his power. They believed with all their heart they could change their world. I will tell you today based on the activities that we see occurring around our world on a daily basis, there are those who today believe they can change their world and they are evil. But we have the good news of Jesus Christ and we have the ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to impact our world and to make a difference. Our mission is the same as their mission in the early pages of Acts. We are to evangelize our world for Jesus Christ. Jesus never intended for the church, as so many churches today do, to exist in isolation. In John chapter 17, verse 15, we read, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them safe from the evil one. So we need to understand this morning that we are clearly in this world for a reason. He has left us here for a purpose. And our mission to evangelize our world will be done as we are in partnership with God and in partnership with one another. We participate with one another to change our world. That's what being a part of the body of Christ is all about. We're not in it by ourselves. And as we participate with one another, it means that we're in fellowship with one another. Now, this is where Reggie would love it this morning because... You know what would come up? Lemon icebox pie. And folks, there's nothing wrong with a fellowship. My last Sunday night, did we have a fellowship? 
What a wonderful time of worship. And then around the tables, a time of fellowship. There is nothing wrong with that type of fellowship. But what Jesus is asking us to do will flow from our deepest level of concern and love. It will be a true compassion for those that are lost and hurting around us. It means that we will truly care for their needs and what's going on in their lives. It means that we will be willing to give of ourselves to others at the point of their greatest need, at the point of their hurt. It is a Christ-like compassion. I'm reminded of something I read a while back about the number of Americans who attend worship service on any given Sunday. We all know that church attendance is down, and these statistics are, are back from the 2000s, but the decline probably more than likely has continued. But at that time, and I quote, it said, although the number of Americans who attend weekly worship service has declined from about 40% in the 1960s to about 25% in the mid-2000s, religious congregations remain the strongest influence to bring isolated, solitary people to community events. The church still has the opportunity to impact our world. During this time of year, when we reflect on the things that we have to be thankful for, Jeremy, I couldn't help but think as, as we sang this morning's the songs and how they fit with what I was trying to say. Are we thankful this morning for our salvation? Do we truly understand that being a Christian is more than a privilege? It's a grace gift. Do we realize that God has called us from sin and destruction to joy and to peace and hope? And as a result of that calling, He has given every one of us ministry opportunities. We should never, and we must be careful that we never forget the price that has been paid so that we can call ourselves the church. Jesus isn't interested in programs for programs' sake. He's not interested in buildings or budgets or position. And that while there's nothing wrong with any of those when they're used for kingdom building, we need to understand that Jesus' primary emphasis as we read the pages of God's Word, His primary focus and emphasis was people. People. And that should be our focus. And so as we look and do an introspection of ourselves, we must ask ourselves, are we being good stewards of what God has given to us? For the Bible is very clear, to those who much has been given, much will be required. I think of that parable in Matthew chapter 21 where Jesus talks about taking away that which he has given from those that are not using it. In that parable, we might ask ourselves, who was Jesus speaking to? Was he speaking to the legalistic society of that day? Was he speaking to the, uh, the stale religious institution of his day? Was he speaking to those who thought they were more righteous than others? 
Jesus said in that parable, listen to a parable that I share with you, a landowner who planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a press and he built a tower. And he rented out the vineyard and and he went on a journey. And when the harvest time approached, he sent his slaves He sent his slaves to the wine growers to receive the produce. But what did they do? The wine growers took the slaves and beat one and killed another and stoned a third. And again, he sent a group of slaves larger than the first, and they did the same thing to them. But afterwards, he sent his son, saying, They will respect my son. When the vine growers saw his son, it says, they said to themselves, this is the heir that has come. Let us take him and seize him and his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and they killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to these vine growers? And they said to him, well, he'll bring these wretches to a wretched end and will rent out the vineyard to other vine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper season. And then it says, Jesus said to them, did you ever read the scriptures? The stone which was rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And here's the verse I really want to focus on. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and to be given to a people producing the fruit of it. What was Jesus letting them know? Well, as you study that passage of Scripture, we can interpret it to be that Jesus would take the opportunity for the nation, the the Jews, to, to carry that message, and now he would pass it along to the church, which is you and me. And I think that's a very good interpretation of that Scripture. But as we break it down, what I'm thinking about is Jesus was saying, I am going to let the world know that I am calling out of people, believers who will follow me for the right reasons, who will do it for the building of the kingdom. And we witnessed that in the early pages of Acts as the church is birthed and miracles occur and lives are changed, people are saved. I don't want to be careful here to assume too much, but could we also be witnessing in our society today what transpired with the Jewish nation in the New Testament with what's happening to the church in America today? Do we need to sit down and examine and ask ourselves, as the world experiences revival and the church in America declines, is Jesus going to take it away and give it to those who will be fruitful. You know, as we examine ourselves, I don't think it's too late for the church in America. I really don't. I think that we need to take time to look at ourselves, that we need to look at our motives and our our passions and, and, and our influence In meeting needs and sharing Christ, the author writes, and we sang about this this morning when it it talked about where we are in life. He writes, is our ministry located among the well or the sick? Is it located among the rich or the poor? Is it located among the saved or the lost? Is it located among the full or the empty, the powerful or the powerless? 
those that are on the edge of life. For us, it means as we do what God has called us to do, we must not have an attitude of pride, but we must have a Christ-like attitude of servanthood. Our ministry must be one of self-emptying. It means that we are spent and that we spend whatever it takes to make a difference. God wants us to realize as we spend a time of thanksgiving in our lives that we were bought with a price and we need to understand that this body that we are now a part of belongs to Christ and that our purpose is to minister to people in a redemptive way and to give of ourselves and to love people with the love of Christ by meeting physical and spiritual needs. Everything that we have this season of the year and all of life to be thankful for belongs to him. The foundation of the church is Christ and the cross. And I believe that God is calling for us, his church, to stand up and to make a difference. As we enjoy this holiday season, I want us to look at, a, at an excerpt from Max Licato's book, Outlive Your Life. He writes in that book, long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. The New Testament avails that the house was the primary tool of that early church. The primary gathering place of the early church was in the home. He says, consider the genius of God's plan. The first generation of Christians were a tinderbox of cultures and backgrounds. At least 15 different nationalities heard Peter's message on the day of Pentecost. Jews that day stood next to Gentiles. Men that day stood next to women. Masters that day stood next to slaves. Max Licato asked this question, can people of such varied backgrounds and cultures get along with each other? And I would say we may wonder the same thing today. Can one culture live in peace with another? Can one political party ha uh, have common ground with another? Can a Christian family carry on a civil friendship with a Muslim couple down the street? Can divergent people in our society get along today? Well, I want you to know that early church did. They did so without the, the aid of sanctuaries or buildings or staff or clergy or seminary. They did so with the clearest message. Their message was the cross and their tool was the home. You see, this morning, not every one of us can serve in a foreign land. I am so thankful for those that can and those that we support. Not every one of us this morning can lead a relief effort. Maybe not every one of us here this morning can volunteer at a soup kitchen in, in a large city, but all of us have been gifted with the opportunity to minister and to care for people. And Max Licato said this, and I love this, as he began to question in his book, and he said, do you have a front door? That's a good question to ask. I think all of us have a front door. Do you have a table? Do you have food? 
Then he said, congratulations, you're qualified to serve. You see, he said, and I finish with this, something holy happens around the dinner table. I love that statement. He said, it'll happen around the dinner table when it'll never happen in a sanctuary, in a church auditorium where you look at the back of someone's head. Around the table, you look into people's faces and you see their expressions. In the auditorium, he said, only one person speaks. Around the table, everyone has the opportunity to speak. He went on to say, at a Christian service, you're limited by time, but around the table, there's all the time in the world. We need to understand at this season of the year that hospitality, our Christian hospitality, opens the doors of community. And when we open those doors, we will be sending a message to those around us, and that message is, you matter to God. You may think that you're saying, come over for a visit. But they very well could be interpreting it as, I am worth the effort. During these holidays, when people come in contact with us, will they see and feel the the love of Christ through us? May we realize that God is just as concerned about what happens between Sundays as he is to what happens on Sunday. What does God want you to do in the coming weeks to share his love with those in need? If life is to have meaning, if God's will is to be done, then we, the church, must accept who we are, what God has given us, And we must be willing to give because he was a giver. Our gift to him. Are you and I willing to make a difference in someone's life this holiday season? I guess I'd ask all of us as I ask myself this question, who's going to be seated around your dinner table? Will you pray with me? Father, as we come to a time of invitation. I pray this morning that we would take time to reflect on all the things that we have to be thankful for. My, how you blessed us individually and as a church. And Father, I thank you that we, your body of believers here in this community, are committed to making a difference not only here but around the world. But Father, during this holiday season, a time that in the lives of many can be so stressful, you give us unique opportunities to impact the lives of people. May we realize that while we are thankful for our salvation in Jesus Christ, there are so many who have never heard the message of Jesus. May we realize that while we gather in the comfort of our homes around our tables, there will be so many that are hungry and lonely and isolated. Father, may may we make a commitment here today that we will be willing to do whatever it takes to minister to others, to share your love and your hospitality, your caring. And we ask all this in Christ's name.